0: time for this week in Moab. A few of the flavors that are part of this evening's show uh, because we have some wonderful people who are exhibiting the spirit of spring. What we're going to do is uh, be interested in self-voice. So we're going to test the mic and have you proclaim your name. Hi, my name is Abby
1: Taylor.
2: I'm the executive director at CKVN. And my name is Ariel Atkins, and I am the Director of Prevention and Education at Seekhaven.
0: Thank you for coming up today. I appreciate it so much. So it is uh, National Poetry Month, but it's also <laughs> it's also very much about the awareness of sexual assault, April. And Seekhaven, such an important aspect of our community being well and trauma-informed and resourced in this time of awareness about something that just isn't going away. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. So why don't you two tell me what Haven is up to in this um, month of focus about this topic?
1: Yeah, this month, um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, we have a really cool um, theme, and it's not something that we pick necessarily, but it's something that um, is decided on a national level, and then programs like ours... Um, hold events and and share resources and things like that. Um, the theme is drawing connections. Prevention demands equity, which is a really really amazing um, theme, particularly because prevention work is a lot of times deprioritized. We so we focus on the response. We focus on services. Um, being rendered we focus on you know getting the um the the bad guy put away whatever but we we don't spend as much time on prevention um and i don't know about you but i like to be efficient and if we prevent violence from happening in the first place then you know people aren't going through as much trauma we're not losing resources time money um to to these incidents so um and, and in particular, not only the prevention side of things, but equity, talking about equity and understanding which groups of people are targeted at a higher rate for with sexual assault. Um, and the more equitable we become as a society, the less likely people are going to be um, victimized. Um, and just understanding intersectionality and, and why certain people experience higher rates of violence. Um, It's a a huge learning, you know, it's a huge lesson that we all can have. And every day I feel like I'm learning more um, about why these trends exist.
0: Well, thank you for putting it out there in exactly that way. There's been an awful lot of talk speaking of violence Mm -hmm. and the weaponization of how we talk about uh, bringing healing to uh, systemic troubles Mm -hmm. in in the public sphere, Uh, domestic, we'll we'll even call families the public sphere because they are the constituents of the community that make it up, right? Absolutely. When you talk about something like the architecture of that violence Mm -hmm. and the systemic nature of of what makes this violence happen, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that is becoming harder to talk about because of this weaponization of even words like systemic injustice right
1: right and that's definitely i mean in and of itself there's just so much to be said about the the unwillingness to discuss these things um i I think that oftentimes people respond to some of this verbiage and and they They don't want to hear any more about it, right? You you say, and there's certain, you know, phrases that I don't even want to bring up necessarily because people stop listening. And and there's so much to learn. And we just have to be really smart about how we broach these subjects because um, I think everybody agrees, sexual assault, sexual harassment, rape, it's all bad, right? And we can all be on that same team together to prevent it from happening. But in order to have those conversations, you need to meet people where they're at. And... Um, oftentimes have to adjust the way that you discuss those topics. And, and that's why I love prevention so much itself, is that you don't necessarily, necessarily always need to talk about sex. You can talk about these other things within society that um, lead to either you know equitable, safe relationships or unsafe ones in which things like sexual assault happen. Um, and a lot of the prevention work that we do at sea cave and Ariel can speak to some of this too. This is her department and she's totally rocking it. Um, but some of the work that we do, we don't even talk about with sex. We talk about healthy relationships and, and healthy relationships can be, you know, you and your, your parent or you and your friend, um, you and your coworker or, or boss. Um, so relationships, even though there are power dynamics that exist, they can, still so have healthy or unhealthy traits, right? Um, and just focusing on those builds a really great foundation to have healthy relationships and to not have to experience things like sexual assault.
0: And it helps you shift the language a little mm-hmm. bit when you're talking to others about it so it doesn't trigger right. whatever uh, has has happened to our uh, ability to have discourse about right. these right. topics. Um, in fact, when you talk about equity and intersectionality. What's another way of putting that? If you were going to discuss that with yeah. someone, let's say, who is mm-hmm. maybe in middle school mm-hmm. and uh that's a bit of a stretch, how would you explain that idea?
1: That's hard. I know. Um, that I know. is hard, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm I'll chime in with an analogy. Yeah. Can you be beautiful, really thank you. And I think When we talk about equity, sometimes it can feel exclusive to some groups. Mm -hmm. And so saying that we want to lift women up, sometimes people hear that as we want to put men down Mm -hmm. or we want to replace men. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not what true equity is. And one of the um, analogies I thought was really helpful the other day was saying, for example, perhaps in a field of work, Men have, white men, have previously occupied uh, 75% of the pie. And what we're saying is we want everyone to have their fair share. So that means that the white guys are going to have their equal share. The black guys are going to have their equal share. The women are going to have their equal share. The women of color are going to have their equal share. So it's, it's bringing equity to everyone. Everyone's getting an equal share. Mm-hmm. But I think what is tough about that is in our history there hasn't always been an equal share for many people. Um, so
0: I—it's baked into that pie, right. <laughs> right?
2: So I think that's a nice way of looking at it because mm-hmm. it's like, oh well, I'm just actually getting my equal share mm-hmm. when previously I had more than more than my share.
0: Mm-hmm. Well played, Ariel. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, and. Because it's Awareness Month, you, I'm sure, have been out there in the community, like this conversation, bringing up things that Caven does that are services. You're saying that uh, prevention is the thing that you're excited about because it gets to some of that architecture uh, of violence. What do your efforts look like when you're trying to support that prevention? What are your... Uh, prevention tools that you're bringing to the community.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm new in my role with Caven. I started in January and I had... Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Cora Phillips, I have to give a shout out to her because she laid some wonderful foundation for me to follow. And one of the things we identified as a need in our community is um, preventing workplace harassment. Um, and wow particularly um, with outdoor recreation companies. Um, there was an expose uh, around like 2015 or something that um, kind of brought to light some of the harassment and uh, abuse that was occurring uh, within NPS down in, uh, on the Grand Canyon and sort of there was this movement, and I think there's been a lot of data collection since then by varying entities, and not just within rafting companies, but Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, oh, gosh, I...
1: (coughs) Outdoor recreation. (coughs)
2: Yeah, outdoor rec. So uh, climbing communities have have taken um, the opportunity to look into their own communities and Mm -hmm. collect data on how prevalent this um, behavior is. And unfortunately, it's very prevalent. And so one of our solutions is to teach bystander training to the workforce. And so we have been, um, for example, the National Park Service and the BLM had a large training where they invited all the folks that um, have permits to operate on their lands, and they invited us to come and um, present our bystander training. Um, and basically what that is is it encourages people when they witness um, harassment or, or worse <laughs> happening in the mm-hmm. workplace, it gives them the tools to step up and say something um, and, and slowly, hopefully over time, shifting that culture to um, not accept things at the, at the very sort of um, basic level of behavior. So we talk about the escalation of behavior And if you think of small remarks and jokes at sort of the bottom and then like physical abuse at the top, we want to move that culture down to where people are really saying something at the very, at those small comments, the jokes. It normalizes
0: the the, that's not funny. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we're, we're, we're hoping to give these workplaces these tools so that they can create safer workplaces that are free of harassment. And, um, I think why we're really effective with these trainings is because they're scenario based. So just like you would Mm -hmm. take in a CPR class and practice the chest compressions on a mannequin, we are talking through these scenarios. Mm -hmm. And so I think people are really able to take that with them. And they're also having dialogue with their colleagues. So we've gotten a lot of great feedback, um, we, are, we do these trainings for free, so if anybody's listening and wants us to come do a bystander training for their workplace, uh, we do it for anyone. It's customizable, we can choose scenarios that are relevant to the organization. And although our focus has been on outdoor recreation, we can do it for nonprofits, we can do it for for-profits. Um, we're really flexible in, uh, the content is the same, but we can make it customizable so that it feels relevant to whichever organization wants to utilize this.
0: Sure, because it, it can go through organizations in a way where it starts at the very top. So it's a, it's a messy bit, isn't it, to try and confront something like that, that um, we have been very happy as a culture to look the other way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is threatening to bring up. You know, I don't think we really do uh, conflict well. So it's a little bit of conflict training, right there, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, do you employ nonviolent communication techniques? You're familiar, surely, with this body of work in this book, where I statements, this sort of thing, mm-hmm. to talk about it rather than mm-hmm. you,
1: right, right. The other
0: person over there, are being bad right. with your manners.
1: Exactly. And I I think that's a really important approach because especially when it comes to things like sexual harassment and sexual assault, I I think people genuinely don't try to cause conflict or cause harm for the most part. Right. But we've been taught certain things or things have been normalized in society. So when we instead say, hey, when you say that, it makes me feel this way. They were like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. But as opposed to saying, like, hey, you're sexist, you know? They're just going to shut off, right? They're not gonna, going to respond. So it's so important that we um, utilize those techniques in order to have a dialogue and to educate people. I think, you know, when we talk about consent, We have we see in the media so often these behaviors and in these like made up, you know, realities where people just grab each other and start kissing or whatever. And, and, you know, that's that's what we're teaching our kids to do. But we what we really should be doing is having conversations. Right. So instead of telling a, a young person you're acting inappropriately instead of saying, no, when, when you do that, somebody might not actually like that. So you need to have a conversation first, yada, yada, yada. Um, because again, I think people really don't want to cause harm for the most part and sometimes act, end up causing harm. Obviously, there are people that intentionally cause harm and, and are truly abusive. But a lot of times with sexual assault, I think it can be prevented. and I And I trust that individual's will listen if we talk to them in a way that they will listen
0: well thank you for helping educate yeah. uh, here at KZMU uh, here in the audio living room there are so many different kinds of violence aren't there mm-hmm. there's, there's psychological there's physical there's verbal it can happen to elders it can happen to children mm-hmm. um, educate us a little bit about how broad the spectrum is people might not even realize their pull in a number and they're part of a, uh, violent
1: scenario, right? Um, yeah, statistics are really high, particularly in Utah. Um, the, the gen, the, the biggest, um, statistic that we work with is that one in four women in the United States experience domestic violence or sexual assault. It's actually one in three in Utah. So a bit higher in our community. Um, because state and then is
0: moab even higher than state or are we about
1: yeah about utah size one in three i'd say we're probably similar to utah specifically um i we don't have the resources to pull that information but i i sure wish we did um i'd be really interested to see i hear i've heard things from law enforcement before of you know more about domestic violence, but like it seems like there's more domestic violence in our community than other communities we've worked in. But I don't have anything specific with sexual assault.
0: So maybe rural, maybe e- yeah. uh, economic stressors, mm-hmm. there are certain mm-hmm. stressors that give rise to this behavior, too. Yeah,
1: definitely. And and also just back, to you know, going back to equity. Right. Like, are women as respected in society? Um, as in other societies, right in other states, um, I think women take a subservient role are and can be expected to um, do things that some you know somebody else wants of them right so um I think that's another reason why it might be higher in the city of Utah too for mm-hmm. women specifically
0: a little a little mm-hmm. uh historical cultural yeah. imprinting that does make its difference right, right. uh. Okay, so here we are talking about big, important stuff. And here in April, that T.S. Eliot called, okay, the cruelest month. I'm not entirely (laughs) sure why. Maybe it's because uh, love um, brings out those feelings, you know, the biggest ones where it's like, ow. Um, (laughs) But it's also Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and that's why we've got Ariel and... uh, Abigail, up here at KCMU today. Mm -hmm. um, You know, I was trying to think of a few things that we could talk about, pointing it right to Moab for resources for people. Mm -hmm. Um, People may not know everything there is to know about Sea Haven and who can avail themselves of the service. There are probably some ideas about who your services are for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk a little bit about that
1: yeah yeah um i mean a lot of us know that men are typically um not reporting or not seeking services as often as women are um statistically speaking though it's about one in six men experience sexual assault in their lifetime it's usually higher when they are um uh an adolescent or a child as opposed to when they're an adult but still pretty high one in six is very high um so, um, yeah, it's, there's a common misconception that Caven serves only women and children. That's false, super false. Um, we've, we've served plenty of men over the years and, and are working on a, you know, adapting and training ourselves and better outreach and things like that to, to reach all individuals because we serve all individuals. Um, one really important aspect of our programming is, um, the creation and facilitation of a sexual assault response protocol workgroup that um, is a multidisciplinary team with um, community partners um, in the system. So that includes Moab City Police, um, a Victims Assistance Unit, which oversees Grand County and Moab City, um, Moab Regional Hospital, the Grand County Attorney's Office, um, and Sheriff's Office is also joining um, in the near future. Um, but it's, it's together. We would meet about once a month and we discuss cases, um, that have been, um, no identifiable information is shared, but the the basic flow of events is discussed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and we identify issues and, um, ways to make improvements. Um, but then we also, um, have a, you know, we respond in a coordinated fashion to um, sexual assault incidents that results in the need of a nurse examination. Um, and that exam is performed by a certified and trained um, nurse. They're called a, a SANE nurse, a sexual assault nurse exam, examiner. Um, and um, I can ask for better partners. It's just been really incredible. I, I look forward to those meetings and um, because everybody just gets along so well and everybody wants to hear everybody and what they have to say and they want to make mm-hmm. those improvements. So it's, it's just, it's really amazing. Um, I could have only dreamed about that level of collaboration in my early years and it's just so exciting to see it now. Um, Collegial respect. How yeah, about that? Yeah. Fantastic. A little equity. <laughs> yes. A little right. a
0: little change in the equity of the yeah. of the power structure. So great. Yeah. Uh a community of caregivers also mm-hmm. within this sort of authority structure of um helping people. Right. Um so I'm still imagining that there are those who are maybe even listening right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they're driving along with the person that they're worried about. Mm -hmm. What do you tell somebody to encourage them? You know, Mm -hmm. there there are all kinds of code words that you read about. Mm-hmm. on phones look all you got to say is make me one with lemons or I don't even yeah. know <laughs> I don't even I've know I've heard of these yeah uh, <laughs> I have heard of these yeah if there are any mm-hmm. what do we want to tell the people that are yeah. that are suffering in silence mm-hmm.
1: um, first thing I'd say is is reach out right and and you can work with someone at sea cave um, or you can work with you know a person if you're choosing to create a safety plan um so if there's you know, if you're living with somebody that is chronically abusing you and you know, we're talking about sexual assault specifically, but we can broaden this out to domestic violence as well. Um create a safety plan. You you are the expert in your situation and you probably know when that cycle happens, right? And situations um in which you're more likely to be hurt. Um find a f- safe person and again that could be somebody at sea Caven to create a plan of when you know that's about to happen what do you need to to prevent that from happening um, how, how can sea support you to minimize or um, reduce or prevent that violence from occurring um, I mean we have all types of resources if somebody's you know looking to get out of a situation which we don't we don't ever push anybody to get out if they're not ready or if it's not safe to leave um it's actually the most dangerous time for an individuals when they are leaving um an abusive situation that's when we see the most um homicides occur um in that time frame so we we're not we're not pushing anyone to leave if they're not ready um but um, we, we have counseling um, and we have advocacy services. Those are available whether you're with somebody or after you've left or even if you've had a history of. So if it's been a while since you've been in a situation, but you're still, you know, feeling like you're, you need your um, foundation restored. Um, we're there in those situations as well.
0: A little psychological support also for people so they can help identify it. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about a a lot of people who have been just gaslit, Mm -hmm. that's the phrase now, have been convinced (laughs) that they're the problem or that they're nuts or that it's not happening. Mm -hmm. uh, A form of uh, psychological abuse where it's hard to even recognize that it's Mm -hmm. going down. Um, Assuming there might be somebody that's It's like that. It just doesn't feel good, but they don't know what to do about it. Do you have uh, professional psychological uh, Mm -hmm. assessment and support
1: also? Yeah, we have um, contracted counselors that we work with, and that's a huge part of our budget is is paying those contracted counselors because, again, we we really love having the ability to support people that – are in it in an acute situation. So again, they're, they're in a space where they've either just left a situation or they're in it, um, currently. Um, but also people that have a history of these experiences because it can take so long to, to heal. Um, but yeah, we have, uh, contracted, um, licensed, um, therapists and social workers that we, um, pay to work with our clients. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so, so much. What else do you want to really let people know? There's so much that you have to offer. Um, Please just speak up about what you wanted to let everybody know.
1: Yeah, Ariel, do you want to talk about our training that we have open to the community?
2: Yes.
1: I am so excited about this.
2: Um, So one of the events that we are hosting for Sexual Assault Awareness Month and especially since the theme is equity, is Mm -hmm. we have invited a a person named Jamel Avi. They are the program director at the Inclusion Center for Community and Justice up in Salt Lake area. And they are coming to do a conversation and training on diversity, equity, and inclusion um, at the mark on April 25th, which is a Tuesday, from 830 to 1230. And if people want to RSVP, they can email me at ariel, A-R-I-E-L, at seekhaven.org or they can visit our Facebook page uh, or Instagram, and there is a um, QR code, Mm because I am trying to gather some information from people with their RSVP, Mm -hmm. just so I can know who to expect. Um, Mostly, we have sent invites out to uh, organizations who we work with, or we know work with, uh, populations in Moab, Um, But it is open to the public. We're just trying to um, keep it at a certain number. So it's kind of a first come first serve, Mm -hmm. but we still have spaces left.
0: Great for preventative tools, whether Mm -hmm. you're working in an organization or in a family grouping that um, maybe could use some of these.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. The diversity, equity and inclusion. um, And I'll just read a little bit from our flyer. Basically, it discusses how the impacts of social pressures impact us, and how we interact with each other, and how to navigate those, as well as um, learning the complexities of identities, Mm -hmm. um, dissecting privilege, how to recognize it, and how to move through the world with a heightened awareness. And I have um, been in lots of conversations with Jamel, and they are wonderful Mm -hmm. at um, bringing you in to the conversation. Instead um, of talking
0: at you, right? Right. Yeah, or, nice. or making
2: you feel insecure, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I have always had the experience of feeling very welcome and mm-hmm. and, uh, um, yeah, included, included in the in the tough conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would recommend it to anybody who's interested.
1: And kind kind of back to that, you know, we sometimes use phrases or yeah catchphrases that people turn themselves off to right or they build that wall right away when they hear it Jamal doesn't do that and I think that that's really powerful in this work and I am just so thankful that they are doing it and that we get to know them and that they get to come down here to Moab so I'm I'm super excited to have have them and um have them do this with us so
0: yeah what I'd really love to hear is a success story with somebody that has been uh on the spectrum of being an uh, abuser, mm-hmm. has engaged in abusive hmm. uh, behavior, even if they've been abused themselves. Coming up, this often is the case. Yeah, right, right. Uh, it doesn't come from nowhere. There's a lot of intergenerational trauma involved. Yeah, but I'm 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 looking for a a, a story of recovery from somebody that's learned a way mm-hmm. to get angry uh, without causing
1: harm yeah do you know yeah i we definitely have heard some of these disclosures from clients before um and you know it's not it's not a place to necessarily tell them you know like hey look at yourself but it happens it It does sure sure (laughs) and (laughs) and you know interpersonal violence is is hard because yeah there are two people um there's you know typically a primary um offender and a predominant offender and those they're different roles um and yeah abusive relationships relationships i'm sorry are really complex so um but we've definitely had some folks before that that weren't that predominant aggressor or offender um meaning that they didn't have the likelihood of causing the most harm but they definitely contributed to harm within their relationship um, we serve, you know, couples all the time at Sea um, I Recognizing these, th- how complex this is, and again, mm-hmm. y- you might be offending against each other, and we just keep it very separated. You know, even the advocates don't get to learn about each other's cases. We, we, we're as ethical as possible in these scenarios, but we've definitely had people that have said, "Wow, I contribute to this. I realize that." Uh, you know, I did, I did this thing Mm and, um, it's up to me to stop doing this in order to have a healthy relationship moving forward. Um, but you know, in light of sexual assault specifically, I, it's so interesting to have conversations and I haven't had these disclosures in my work life as much as I have in like personal life and conversations with friends or Mm -hmm. things like that. But, um, just really what creates a foundation where, these things occur, right. And understanding how we all contribute to it somehow, um, and how, um, different levels of privilege can, um, further these issues, um, in reality and, and just being able to recognize, you know, this is, this is how I contribute. This is why other people experience these things. This is what I'm going to do to try to stop it. Um, and and one thing that I was thinking about earlier with um the trainings that we do with um outdoor rec and is um you know it's it's not just talking about like hey here's a scenario with, in which sexual harassment happens right it's it's also just gender based um prejudices and and so we we go even deeper to say you know when somebody's saying like, oh, that that chick, she can't, she's not skilled enough, she's not strong enough, she's not resourced enough. No, like when we say that, we create a foundation where it's okay then to go and touch her inappropriately or to watch her undress or something like that on these multi-day trips, right? When we create this this environment where you can tear her down in some way then it makes it okay for other people to tear her down more. So, again, those, like, aha moments, I, I, I've really enjoyed watching and hearing from people because, again, a lot of times it's not about the actual issue. It's about this. It's about equity and a lack of equity. Um, but the the trainings are amazing. So, again, if anyone's listening that is in that, um, that field, please reach out. We would love to talk, and um, you'll get to have who's amazing and you'll walk away just feeling inspired and and again probably walk away with some aha moments.
2: I think it's a the trainings are most workplaces are required to have Mm -hmm. some amount of sexual harassment training and I think we've probably all made kind of jokes about the 1980s and even earlier how kind of poor poorly done those trainings were. And I think even modern sexual harassment tra- videos and trainings really miss the mark for yeah. people. Um, so we can be a really good supplement to that. Even if that isn't something you think exists in your workplace mm-hmm. or you feel like it's not important. Um, I would argue that it is very important. And it probably. <laughs> and it statistics yeah. <laughs> say it is a problem. So, um, yeah, we're not we're not coming in to say you can't have any fun in your workplace. Um, we're just coming in to help everyone feel safe there through those trainings.
0: Thank you. Mm. Uh, I breathe a little bit easier just <laughs> knowing that you two and that Seek Haven is there. The phone number is four three five two five nine two 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 nine. If I remember that correctly. Good
1: job. Yeah, yeah. you did.
0: You got it. Uh, and again, that's two 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 nine. You can call them wherever uh you feel like you belong in the conversation uh it sounds like mm-hmm. and it feels like you're very welcome wherever it is on the spectrum that you fall there
1: yeah and our hotline is um 24/7 so you can call anytime um and for youth um if we do know that you've experienced violence we do have to report it um but there are lots of resources out there too for youth um that we'd be happy to share um, that don't place you in that predicament if you don't want to have yes. a report. Yeah.
0: Now, lastly, I, it's very important yeah. so people understand that it's safe mm-hmm. for that to be reported because right. uh, you were mentioning how there are moments when it's very dangerous, yep. like when people are yep. making the move. Uh, mm-hmm. When abusers have been outed, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. Yep. So um, are you going to be talking a little bit about the safe way to say something? when it's see, see something, say something. Right. So right. it doesn't put somebody in worse shape than they might have been.
1: Right, and we, we try to be really clear with folks um, about those situations, right, when we do have to report something, um, because that exists, where it's a, you know, Utah State is a mandated reporting state. So um, instances of um, child abuse and um, threats of of personal harm like i'm you know suicidality i'm going to kill myself or um harm towards other people i'm going to hurt this other person right we do have to make those reports so we try to inform people right away it's particularly difficult for youth because some yeah sometimes it's not safe for their parents to find out or, or they prefer that not happen mm-hmm. um and that also might result in you know Um, criminal charges and court and things like that litigation and that is really hard for a lot of survivors um so again just being informed is number one in our books of um utilizing services and creating a plan um and having trust with us as an organization and having that rapport is also just really incredibly important so um I don't want to encourage anyone to call if, the, if if it's going to result in them, you know, not getting what they want and feeling like we've betrayed them or tricked them somehow. So um, Transparency is transparency part of is what equity yeah. is all about. Yep. And it's a trauma informed principle. So we're, we really try to abide by that. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of safe ways to reach out. And we even have people that reach out over Facebook messenger, um, they are our, our advocates all have google voice numbers too so you can even yeah you know, after you create a relationship with that advocate text them uh, and call them on that that number they respond during business hours but um it's still that that level of um you know intimacy that you can receive with um the advocates that level of support um but yeah we're we're here in, in lots of ways but um yeah did I answer your question? You sure okay. did. You
0: did. You went all the way there. I just am trying to put myself in the shoes of the person that's like, yeah, but what about right. that? Yeah. Am yeah. I safe? Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much for mm-hmm. everything you do at Seekhaven. Uh Ariel, so good to see you, too. When you came in, you were going, wow, this place has changed a little bit. Um is it okay if I ask you about that now? Can yes, I ask you real quick? Please do. Okay. So you said that Kesemu had changed since you'd seen it way back when, and how far back? Way back when.
2: Well, I was when I walked into the station. I actually have been in this room since, but the other side of the building, and I don't even think it was this building. I think it was maybe like a mm. single wide trailer. The trailer.
0: The trailer days. <laughs> yes. But I
2: told Christy that. I was a Shine Time DJ as a youth here in Moab, and um, and we were just talking about how community radio can span the life span of a person, and so that's really special that I was here playing kid songs probably pretty poorly (laughs) executed (laughs) when I was seven. Uh, And 30 years later, I'm here talking about sexual assault and how I'm supporting my community to um, Mm -hmm. hopefully um, minimize those risk factors and increase those protective factors. Mm -hmm. And Christy, while I have you on the subject of youth, I just wanna say we just hired a youth prevention Mm -hmm. coordinator and um, we work with this fantastic um, curriculum. It's called the One Love Foundation, and it was um, created after a family lost their Mm -hmm. college-aged lacrosse, bright daughter Mm -hmm. to um, uh, intimate partner Mm. violence. Um, But they have really taken that and created this amazing program, and like Abby was saying, it doesn't really talk about sex it talks about uh, we all contribute to healthy and unhealthy behaviors Mm -hmm. in all of our relationships and helping to educate youth um, what those behaviors are so that they can be better friends that they can be better family members and and realizing um, how someone isn't necessarily bad if they have um, these behaviors in a relationship but that a relationship can become unsafe if they there are too many of these behaviors. So helping them to identify that without shame or guilt. Um, and so we are trying to get out there in the community and teach kids about healthy relationships so that they can hopefully um, have red flags go up before there um, before there's real trouble. Before yeah, there's real mm-hmm. trouble. So. Thank you.
0: One Love Foundation. I will look it up because I love to see what happens when people uh, have agency. You can Mm -hmm. hear it in their voices. And uh, as far as voices of youth are concerned, how beautiful it is to hear time pass in the voices of uh, youth DJs trailer park. She's pulling out the old (laughs) G double... It was a single wide sway back trailer. That's the authentic. Ariel, thank you. Abigail, Abigail Taylor, thank you. Um, Okay, so Seek Haven, check it out, and do take care of each other, yourselves. We'll talk to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's 10 minutes until 6, and... In the studio with me, we have Annie McVeigh. I am so pleased that you're here. Annie, uh, got such a big job there at Moab City with the parks and the recreation. Your title, again, however, is?
3: Is uh, Parks, Recreation, and Trails Director.
0: Parks, Rec, and Trails Director. Mm -hmm. That's a lot on one desk. It's
3: the fun stuff
0: it's a lot in one title (laughs) it's a long title. and uh since your arrival here it's been about a year yep there's a lot that you have become familiar with about what uh, the city is facing with its parks and rec Uh, you've recently put out a survey for the community for a master plan that takes a look at all of those things I took the time to do that survey today. Great. And uh I thought it was really interesting. You were asking questions like not just you personally, but you know, your department, uh tell me about each park. What do you like about each park? Uh and that was a very interesting exercise because there are specific uses that I go to each one for. Exactly. And some I didn't even know. Existed.
3: I've heard that too, and I think one thing that we're really excited about is to kind of understand people's identity for each park, because people go to Swanee Park for a very different reason than they go to Old City Park, and so we, if we understand the values that people have for those parks, it'll really help guide any future development or anything we do with those parks. Um, they're just each of them are so unique and amazing.
0: I agree, and there's a lot that uh, is needed for the maintenance, and because they are so unique. The maintenance plan differs widely, doesn't it? Yes.
3: I mean, I think once you, like, we're, right now we're heading into the summer season, so we're kind of just getting to Friday. We're, you know, cleaning the bathrooms every day and mowing the lawn, but there's a lot more that we can do with our parks, and each of them will be very different.
0: And you're putting this survey out there in order to gather the data and then... Um, inviting people to be part of the planning of the future of Moab's parks. It's a pretty short questionnaire, and it'll really, really help uh, the planning department um, and the vision, of course. I I do see that when I was filling it out, there was also a a pretty specific and pretty crafty question. It was deft how it was uh, asked, because it was like, all right, if you could... Either fix up this park, or how did you put it? it? It was a really tough way of asking the question. Either raise the taxes, or get rid of the program entirely. Yeah. So describe that a little.
3: <laughs> yeah. So we a um, couple of the thing things that are, I think were really important to us. Also, when we ask you everything that you would like about parks and want parks, there are questions that ask you to prioritize. So, what is the number one thing? Because everybody, I mean, there's so many things you could I go. I want it all. I mean, we want it all. So I think the prioritization, oh. and then also getting at while well, we do have um, the new WRAP tax, which is going to you know help oh. us tremendously. There's still very limited funding. So some of the questions were that get a little harder <laughs> is really how much do you want this, and if oh. you wanted it, um, would there be the potential of other? Fees or other ways to get funding.
0: A big vein to go uh, diving into this thing about the wrap tax and about how our maintenance of our parks and our green spaces are um, paid for. Maybe you could describe just very briefly where we're at uh, about the costs of doing it and why we're having to kind of choose, pick and choose.
3: Right. So um, until the rep tax, um, all of the parks funding comes from the general fund, which competes against um, all other capital improvement projects. It completes against public safety. And so while as important as parks are to everyone in the community, sometimes it doesn't always um, rank the highest as the priorities of projects come down with the city.
0: How long is this going to be open for public comment?
3: Um, until the 30th. And I think that's a, either next Sunday or Monday.
0: And what do you have to say about the RAP tax and the monies that it has been garnering so far in this program? I know you've been part of the uh, committee and taking a look and making choices. You want to spend a minute talking sure. about that?
3: Yes. Um, so we had obviously the first year um, of RAP tax money coming in. And so the council had decided to give a percentage of that out to in-community grants. Um, And that process opened this year, and we had a really tremendous response to that. It was really great to see uh, a WRAP tax committee that sat down and rated the grants. And we'll actually be going to city council next week with our recommendations or the committee's recommendations for who's getting awarded.
0: Can you speak about uh, how you felt when you looked at the broad array of applications and the ideas to improve
3: yes so that's one thing that the committee will do after this round is over is kind of how to move forward but we heard from a lot of people um in the community a lot of people that we've heard from before some projects that wouldn't surprise you but then there's people who um are looking around the community and seeing a need if it's arts or parks um related and kind of stepping up and maybe even forming a nonprofit to submit so it's it was great to see Some hard choices, too.
0: I am sure of it, because you wound up having twice as many uh, applicants as there was money for. Is that?
3: Yes, we had about 220,000, over 220,000 in requests, and 93,000 available. Uh,
0: Okay, so we have a vision of the future, and we're asking you, Moab, to weigh in on what would be the most beautiful and functional and... Dare we say, uh, practical, affordable that we can do for our best good. And moabcity.org forward slash parks will get you there. Uh, and you, there's even a little QR code if you speak QR. It took <laughs> me, I'm going to say it took me 15 minutes because I. I sat there and I considered.
3: Some of the questions you can think about for a Yeah, minute. I did. Yeah. And I this, did. Um, the questionnaire is also available in Spanish, so we highly encourage everyone to, to take that. Um, and we have an open house this Wednesday. And so we'll have some of the preliminary data from the survey already to kind of hear what we've heard already um, as a sounding board to the, uh, to the community, to what else have we missed, along with some other guiding questions that will be in there, and that is at the mark um, this Wednesday from 4 to 6.
0: Thank you, Annie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lastly, one little question about water, uh, because I'm sure that with parks and wrecks and trails and our green and all of our spaces, given that information about uh, water in the West and the Colorado River and all of that stuff, how how much a factor is that in your planning so far?
3: It is in the planning. So we've also sat down um, with key stakeholders, and some of them, one of the key groups of stakeholders we've had was the environmental issues and sustainability, and water has come up. Um, there's also kind of an interesting notion that as the rest of the community is asked to use less water that potentially our parks are truly the green community open space that may not be available elsewhere. So um, there's a lot to consider. I know we can definitely refine some of our watering practices as we move forward.
0: And are you uh, still just open door? People call you if they have concerns or ideas? Anytime. Okay, how how do they do that? Um, so
3: they could call my, um, my email is McVeigh at moabcity.org, um, or they could call 435-260-2571.
0: Has the magic happened? Has Moab gotten under your skin? Is there blow sand in your
3: <laughs> scalp? The, uh, the magic has happened.
0: <laughs> Good, I'm glad to hear yes. it. Thank you so much. Annie McVeigh, the director of... Uh,
3: Parks, yeah. Rec, uh, Trails. Trails. Yes. And I also wanted to give a plug for Earth Day this week. Um, so on Friday, we'll be having an Earth Day event at the MARC. Um, and there'll be some great things there. The Park Service will be there with a solar telescope. A what? Uh, a solar telescope. Ah. Yes. I don't know what that is. Um, and also, the Mark will be there also making some seed bombs. And Solid Waste will be there with some recycling games.
0: Seed bombs. I love it and a solar telescope telescope so good <laughs> got it got to go see it um thank uh, you for your messages of joy and hope here for living on the earth annie mcveigh yeah thank yeah.
3: you for having me
0: yep have a great week all right it's already time oh moab this has been this week in moab i'm christy williams thanking you so much for this uh, earth day week for this awareness of how we can treat each other better with no violence, eh? Uh, okay, up next, word of the day. Love you, Moab. See you next time.